What's up, everyone, and welcome into the Buffalo Sports Collective. It is July 8th, 2022. Phil, we have a uh, big show to talk about. We got three Bisons games to break down real quick. Uh, one was a lot more fun than the other two. We got a uh, Bandits section to talk about because the expansion draft literally just wrapped up when we hit record. And then the NHL draft is currently going on right now. We're hoping we can at least get the Sabres ninth pick as long as they're still picking ninth and don't trade back. Maybe they'll trade up, but I got it on my TV right now. And uh, the future of the Buffalo Sabres is uh, coming out of the team tonight, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see because, again, neither of us like the NHL draft because we won't see these guys for maybe, what, 10 years if we're lucky. Um, but it's still exciting. It's still exciting. Three first-round picks and, like you said, top 10 being ninth this year, depending on if they make any moves. No matter what happens, it's still exciting. It's still a future potential piece to add to your team and being in that top 10 spot. I'm not going to say guarantees you a great pick, but it does give you a good opportunity to get someone who can be impactful on your team in the next couple of seasons where the Buffalo Sabres are headed, hopefully in the right direction by then. So we, uh, we'll see. We'll see what they add and how, uh, how the first round goes down. And they were almost picking seventh as well, but we'll dive into that uh, alleged deal that was nixed by a goalie on our final segment. But we will talk, or before we jump into it, remember you can follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Remember to check out our time breakdowns in the descriptions of the show so you can skip around as you please like you will in this show. So we'll start with the Buffalo Bisons. Monday, rare Monday game because of the 4th of July. They lost this one 4-3, seventh straight loss, Phil. It was actually tied 2-2 until the fifth when Syracuse added one and then another in the seventh. Bison's got one back in the bottom of the ninth, but left the tying run on base with just one out. Six relief pitchers got this one, got them through this game. Holland started going two innings pitch, allowing two runs. Lucas was the man in red, white, and blue pregame. He had his onesie on. It was quite a show. He went three for four with two RBIs and stolen base number 16. Wednesday, double header. Remember, they were making up that one game, so both games were seven inning games. Game one, they lost nine to four. Talk about an ugly start for their first start with more. Seven earned runs, five home runs in just one and two-thirds of an inning. Elliott came in in relief, gave up two solo shots himself in two and one-third of an inning. Phil, seven total home runs in this game, all by Syracuse. It was just an ugly game all around. Now, Horwitz, he had his first triple-A action in this one after getting called off from double-A. He went three for four. Grossens went two for four. Pogkul did the majority of the work with his three-run shot in the third. Phil, this was their eighth straight loss, but... The streak ended Wednesday game two when they won six to four first time in uh, two series now. That's uh, unbelievable. But Francis got another start. Weird how we uh, started saying maybe do it. He's done it back to back. And uh, he went three innings pitched. I don't know if they're just stretching him out to try to be a starter again. But uh, this is the longest outing he's had in quite a while. He had one run ball which was just a solo shot and six strikeouts. So six of the nine outs he got were strikeouts. Now they were down four to one entering the bottom of the six. Cullen Large singled to score Pogkul. Warmoth singled to score Jansen. A box scored Young to tie it 4-4. And then Stamitz double scored Tally and Warmoth for the victory. It was a uh, nice bounce back victory after a ugly game one, but they finally got off the snide. They are still only one game back of first place with I think four other teams tied for first and then two other teams one game back. It's just a cluster at the top of the standings in the IL East. 
It's interesting to see so many of the kind of bottom teams really starting to have good stretches and the top teams really starting to kind of fall off with, I mean, like you said, the A straight loss and there's still only one game out of first place, which means first place is also in a major slide. And a lot of these teams, like you just mentioned, are within one or two games. So they are also starting to actually go on the hot streak. So everything's just kind of jam-packed together, which is in a way good for the Bisons because, I mean, the fact that you can go with eight straight losses and still only be a game out of first place. I know there's a lot of other teams now in the mix, but at least you're still there. You still have a really good chance. It's still, you know, midway through the season. So you have plenty of time to right the ship. And they finally got the, the win that they've been looking for, for almost nine games there. So I guess we'll start with the positives. Obviously the win is huge. Francis finally not only getting another start, but going three innings of one run ball, like you said, six strikeouts and only the solo shot as far as runs given up. That is the most productive positive outing we've seen from Francis in a very long time. So great to see him not only in the starting role, but actually do a really good job of it. And I think we're starting to see some glimmers of hope on this offense. I mean, Lucas has been a pretty solid player for a long time now on this team. Grossens has been solid. But then, like you said, you add Horowitz to the mix, who just got his first action AAA and went three for four in game one of that doubleheader. So it looks like they have some offensive talent that is starting to show through with some of the more consistent guys. So hopefully you're going to see a little bit more offense kind of coming through and hopefully they get some more starting performances from Francis and some of their other starters that we can hopefully just shift a little bit away from a lot of these bullpen games. Like you mentioned in the first one, it took them six relief pitchers to get through it, which is just an insane amount of pitching. I mean, eventually it's just going to wear out your bullpen. I know six is obviously better than, you know, two guys in relief consistently doing it. So they're all just kind of pitching a little bit here and there. So for the most part, you should be keeping them fresh for the just long season. But at the same time, these bullpen games are eventually going to eat into these relievers who are not used to having this many outings and just going this many innings, even at this point in the season. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Francis. It's it's a positive step forward with, I mean, it was a couple shows ago where we were saying that you got to send him down to double A. So if they're going to give him back in the starting lineup and as a starter, even if he only goes four, five, six innings, I think that's his natural role, so he feels more co- most comfortable in that position. So if they're going to stretch him out and start to be a starter again, because maybe they're finally realizing, oh man, these relievers can't go in day in and day out and trying to get some innings for us. They're going to get wear- worn down, and the big league club needs relievers. So you're going to be losing players left and right to them too. I think we need some of these relievers, and again, I just said it, they might be getting worn down and that's why they're struggling, but we need a couple guys to step up because there's no reliable guy right there with Hernandez on the IL that you can return to and go, okay, we're going to get some reliable innings out of this guy. We're going to get a shutdown inning. We can rely on this guy because Sacito had a great save lockdown on the game two win, but he's on a rehab assignment. He's probably going to get called up. There's a few other guys. Garcia's on a rehab assignment. So all these guys that you can rely on are on rehab assignments and they're going to get called up to the Blue Jays very, very soon. So you're going to be losing the guys that you're counting on. So you need some of the guys that are down on the, that are not on the 40 man roster that are not going to get called up to step up and, you know, take a grasp of this pitching 
line up and uh, lock it down. But Horwitz, I am very impressed with him right now. It's excited to see what he can add to this team. In 70 games in AA this year, he was hitting 297 with 10 home runs, 39 RBIs, and a 54 to 43 strikeout to uh, walk ratio, which is amazing right now. It's almost one to one, very similar. I mean, 11 off, but to me, that's pretty it's close. close. It's close, especially but in baseball. It's close. It is. It's very close in baseball, but I'm, I'm very excited to see what he can add to this lineup. If he can add some power to it. I mean, he's only a six foot guy. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of bulky, so he can definitely launch him over the field, but it, it'll be nice to see him inserted into this lineup, maybe at the top of the order that, cause that's where he's been batting uh, the last few games, but it, it'll definitely be interesting to see what he can add to this lineup that has been struggling all year long to score runs. If he can be that energizer bunny to get added back to it. And then I, I know I don't really have this written down, but Danny Jansen is on a rehab assignment. When he gets healthy, are they going to send Marino down or keep Jansen down there? That'll be the big question. I'm I'm personally like selfishly hoping that Jansen gets called up to the Toronto Blue Jays and Gabriel Marino gets sent down just because, you know, Bisons, we cover him, want him to win. And, you know, having Marino to cover is not a bad thing either. But it'll be very interesting to see that catcher department as well. Will they roster three catchers? I don't really think that's smart. I'd rather have Marino down in triple A if I were them to get the valuable at bats. But I guess we'll see soon. Yeah, I think the only thing they could do is maybe just similar to, I mean, different situation because they have two very good ones, whereas the Yankees have two okay ones. But as far as just a comparison, I know the Yankees swap their catchers quite often. Like you said, it's different to have three catchers versus two. But as far as Jansen and Marino go, maybe you could just kind of keep both of them fresh and keep keep one in and then, you know, swap it. But at the same time, that doesn't help players really get into a rhythm, especially with baseball. So it's a little bit hard to jump in and out of games a little bit more than some other sports. So it's definitely tricky, and it's a, a good thing for Toronto, and I guess in a way a good thing for the Bisons. Either way, the Bisons are likely going to get one of the two, so they'll have a good catcher down here. And for the Blue Jays, they have a wealth of good catchers, which is not always the easiest position to have a solid player or two at. So it's kind of a one of those luxury kind of situations. So it'll be interesting to see, like you said, how that kind of all plays out, but Overall, I mean, they ended on a win, which is huge. And I mean, finally got off of that losing streak and hopefully they can just kind of keep rolling with it is and just uh, get on maybe a, a 10 game win streak to counteract the eight losing games. And only one game out of first place as we're recording this on Thursday after, or late evening, early night. I would call it, but yeah, they're, they're definitely still in it, but four more games versus Syracuse who's at the bottom of the division. So definitely rattle off if you can three and one down this rest of the stretch here, but we'll move on to the BSC update. I am up 26, 10.4 to 22, 95.18. So fell, I extended my lead because I scored 22.5 in just two games because neither of us scored any points in that win, which is unbelievable. And you only put up three points. So, uh, I guess with that, are you making any changes to your team or, uh, are you going to, Keep rolling out what you got. I think for fun, because obviously it's far over. So I might as well just start picking some players to actually root for and, uh, you know, have some fun with this because I'm clearly going to lose by quite a bit. So I'm going to add Horowitz. And uh, oh, I was thinking about it, but I'll let you have him. Oh, thanks. Your team's we won't not go to the stacked coin. already. We won't, Jeez. we won't go to the coin. It's All okay. right. And then <laughs> Large has actually been doing okay. And I haven't heard Lopez or Taylor in a long time. Lopez seems Taylor like Taylor's on the IL, so uh, uh, he's going to be out of it. Okay, Taylor it is. There it is. Okay. You're <laughs> dropping Taylor if he's injured. for Horowitz. And what and, happened to uh, Capra? What is going on? He's still on the IL, man. I know, but why? Why? 
I don't know. I don't get know. him back. But, I, this is your fault. <laughs> but the fun thing I'm going to do here is uh, since you just dropped Taylor, I'm picking him up. I'm dropping more, so I'm getting Taylor. All right. Well, I'm sure by next game he will be right back in the lineup because he's not on my team anymore. So that'll be great. Can you also pick up Capra just for the Bison's sake <laughs> and get get him back healthy, please? <laughs> That's very possible. But uh, yeah, we will cover the final four games of this series on our Monday show. So stick with us. And on that Monday show, we'll get you ready for the the next series, which they're going back to Iowa in Iowa. The first time they faced them since the start of the season when they had their first six game series where they went four and two. But yeah, we'll close out the Bisons right here. But Phil, let's move on to some Buffalo Bandits action right now. And uh, the expansion draft, like we said, just wrapped up as we started hitting record. And uh, I got I got a little uh, angry. I've been stewing in the pot since this started. And uh, if you don't remember from the last show, I've been asking and trying to figure out, hey, what's going on with the expansion draft? They haven't said anything. They don't know what time it's starting. They haven't announced if it's going to be streaming anywhere. And then in the comment on Wednesday... The Las Vegas Desert Dogs replied to somebody and said, hey, we're going to be posting it on our social media accounts at 530. That was the only announcement that there was posted on what time this was going to happen. So uh, I'm a little annoyed with that, but we will talk about the Buffalo Bandits side of this first. They lost Connor Fields. We kind of expected that Connor Fields was going to be the pick. It was almost a guarantee that Connor Fields was going to be getting drafted by the Las Vegas Desert Dogs in this one. And it was just who is going to be trading for him to return back to the East Coast. Well, we were hoping that it was going to be the Bandits, and we saw a tweet put out by the Buffalo Bandits that, hey, we want to wish Connor Fields good luck in his future endeavors. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if just the Twitter account person who's ever running their social media account just doesn't know and doesn't keep up with it. But then I saw Toronto also do it. And then I went, oh, no. And then Las Vegas said, hey, we got a trade to announce. You want to have some fun. So the trade ended up being Connor Fields, Riley Hitchcroft, and the 2022 first overall pick went to Rochester for Charlie Bertrude, the 2022 second overall pick, a 2022 74th overall, 2022 91st overall pick, and the 2023, 2023 first overall pick on Rochester, wherever that ends up being. So Connor Fields ends up going to Rochester, the other Pagula team, instead of the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, it's a uh, it's an offer that I feel like Bandits could have topped, but it seems like they either didn't want to or just couldn't. I don't know what's going on there, but Connor Fields is now a member of the uh, Rochester Nighthawks along with Matt Gilray, and uh, it's uh, going back to uh, is some funny shenanigans going on between the two Pagula-owned teams, Phil. Yeah, first off, I do not like the two Pagula-owned teams. I'm just going to go and throw that out there right now that I think in any professional sport that uh, is trying to be taken seriously, I mean, I'm going to I'll wait to the end at this point to go on a rant about the NLL, but the Pagula should not be able to own two franchises. I think that's just ridiculous and obviously a clear conflict of interest, and this is another one of those situations where Sean Evans got taken by Rochester, which seemed like a little bit of collusion by the Pagulas to draw some more fans or interest or talent to Rochester in their expansion draft. And now you lose homegrown Connor Fields to Rochester as well. Pretty interesting that Rochester was able to get the first overall pick from this upcoming draft back, including for Connor Fields. So that's pretty interesting. I know the Desert Dogs did get some interesting pieces from Rochester, but to see Rochester get Fields and the first overall pick is pretty interesting. I think it was uh, 
pretty good move by Rochester, even though I think it's still a little fishy that uh, the Bandits lose Connor Fields and he goes right to Rochester, who, again, owned by the Pagulas, don't love that. Overall, though, on the Fields kind of just situation, first off, it is nothing to do with Matt Vince and Matt Vince being protected. So anyone kind of mentioning that they should have protected Fields over Vince or any kind of combination that protecting Vince was a mistake had nothing to do with this pick. You could only protect five forwards. So it was either going to be, like we said, down to Fields or Fraser. And having the number one offense in the entire league, I know they didn't win the championship. We don't have to bring that up again, but they did have the number one offense in the entire league going into the playoffs. You're going to lose someone in these expansion drafts that you're not going to be happy with. I loved homegrown fields. He was a big part of this team this year. He had a really good year, career year for him, played really well, not someone that you wanted to lose, but in a situation like this, you're going to lose someone you don't want to lose. It's just kind of the nature of things when you have such a great team. But I think, again, one of the things I mentioned as we were kind of talking about who we would save and who we would possibly let go, I think part of the big reason the Bandits might have opted to pick fields to kind of have out there over Fraser, not to mention they were likely hoping to get him back on a trade. But at the same time, you do have three lefty draft picks, like I mentioned, coming into the Bandits organization pretty soon. One of them being a first rounder, Thomas Vecine, who finished his recent season with 62 points in 16 games. You have Colin Monroe, the second rounder who only had 11 points in 16 games, and then you have Nick Miller, the fourth rounder, who had 98 points in 17 games. All three of them are forwards. All three of them are lefties. So if you needed to make room for any of these players, and again, I'm not saying that they are going to immediately be as solid as Fields was as a player, and obviously what Fields meant to the just local community, he was a great local product, homegrown for a reason. So I'm not trying to say that these guys can immediately replace him in any means, but The Bandits, you know, just future is kind of loaded up on the left side with these draft picks that have not even put on a Bandit sweater yet. So I think if you were going to save one side over the other, I think saving Fraser where you don't have the depth currently on the right side of the ball, I think that was just the the thing you're just going to have to see and kind of have to take when you deal with these expansion drafts. And I think having three lefty forwards kind of ready to go and fight out for that field starting spot, I think that just had to have something to do with this. And I also think protecting LaRue as a defenseman, again, was very wise by the bands because he is going to probably grow into a great player, and he's a righty, so another spot that I think would be great to have him kind of shift to the right side where they need a little bit more depth. So I think he's going to be a huge part of this team moving forward. And for them to be able to protect him as a defenseman, because that's how he played this year, even though he is an offensive player, also a really nice job. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, you also got Brad McCauley, like you mentioned, Vecines there. You got Nick Miller, Colin, uh, Colin uh, Monroe. And then also don't forget that Sam LaRue is going to end up being on the forward lineup. And it, it, it's it's a f- nice thing that they were able to do playing LaRue on defense. So he was able to be, you know, regulated as a defenseman. Very smart by the Bandits to do that and get him protected. It's just... Uh, it it def- definitely does sting losing counterfields. I think I completely agree with your reasoning there with the the sides of the ball and who you would rather protect in that situation. And, you know, they get, they got a chance to get counterfields back. He was going to come back East Coast. They just either didn't offer enough, they didn't offer anything or what have you. But he's just not going to be on the Buffalo Bandits again. But I think what is a beneficial to this is, like you said, there's plenty of guys that are currently on the team that 
might not be able to produce instantly what Connor Fields has, but their team controlled for a long time. I mean, McCulley is, what, two more seasons and 18 more games from even being registered as an RFA. And then you got Vasin, who's going to be everything that I'm reading. He's going to be a superstar in this league if he puts everything together and he's going to be coming in. Then you also have three first round picks in this coming draft. So there's so much talent already there. Like you said, number one scoring team already. Who knows if, uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on his name, Phil? Buchanan, Buchanan. I don't know why I blanked on his name, but Buchanan is an R- a UFA, so we'll see if he comes back. You got Fields is gone, so there's two openings in that seven-man rotation if they're going to keep that up in the forward group. Ken McCulley call, bring it in. Vecine, one of these first-round picks that they got. It, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens here, but I guess uh, that's pretty much wrapping up the, the, the Fields part of the aspect of it with the Buffalo Bandits losing him, but I real quick, I thought what Sean Williams did with the Vegas Desert Dogs was just amazing. I mean, bringing in, he, the only trade out he moved was the first overall pick, but he got the second overall pick. He got the 18th overall, the 26th, the 74th, and the 91st in this draft. Then he got Rochester's first next year and San Diego's third. So not only did he get all the players, he got 15 players. He also got so many picks as well, and he only had to move out the number one overall. So moving back one spot, getting the second overall pick and all those other picks, he's definitely filling out that young rotation. It looks like what he was able to do, he's got such a young core to build around. He's got a young goalie to build around. He is looking towards the future, not the now. And I think that's a great way to run an expansion draft. And they even added some pretty solid players just from some of these teams yes. that did not kind of trade anyone back. I mean, obviously the Bandits did not. Georgia, Halifax, New York, Panther City, Philly. I mean, a lot of these teams ended up just losing that player and kind of accepting it. And a lot of those players that were able to be picked up were very solid players and even the trade for to the rush uh, traded Cornwall to Calgary for King and the 18th overall pick. So, I mean, King is a very solid player and came on strong in the end of the last season. So seeing some of the players they were able to get just in this draft on top of all those draft picks that they have coming in, obviously it's going to be a young team. Obviously it is an expansion team for a reason, but to see what they were able to do, I do think, like you said, that they did a very good job with this expansion. And I think, they played the trade game very well as well, just kind of adding more assets, adding more players, trading players around to either the same team back or other teams to get other things back. So really interesting to see kind of how it all went down, but it was just a very good job overall by the Las Vegas Desert Dogs. Yeah, Phil, now uh, we're going to move on to my rant because uh, I have a big issue not only with the NLL, and I have a small issue with the Buffalo Bandits, but it has nothing to do with Counterfields. What the NLL did in this expansion draft was the worst possible thing you could have done to help grow your league. Not only did you put it on the same day as the NHL draft, like the exact same day. So the toll talk of the week was NHL draft. I don't know why you didn't do it the week before. I don't know why you didn't do the two weeks after to avoid free agency as well, but they, they scheduled it the worst possible day. I know E. McKay tweeted out like, how are you going to grow the sport when you're doing it on the same day as the NHL draft? I don't understand. Second thing. What they did with Panther City was amazing. They put it on YouTube. They had Teddy Jenner out there. They had a few other people that were announcing the picks and talking about the picks and everything afterwards. Where was that? Why did that go away? Like, they were just tweeting it out so everybody that was a fan of the sport had to refresh their Twitter page over and over and over. That's just stupid. That's no way to grow your sport. You need to make this an event. I mean, an expansion draft is happens so rarely, yet you you partner it up with the draft it it didn't make any sense to me it it's very confusing there was no the other thing 
I know there's no commissioner, there's no deputy commissioner whatsoever, but what are you doing not announcing a time and you're just having the team announce it in a reply to somebody who tweeted at them asking for a time? If that person didn't ask for it, are they even going to announce what time it starts? It's just everything going on with this league right now annoys the heck out of me. It's the small things we've been saying over and over and over for a year plus on the show. And then they just do this. It, it doesn't make any sense. Then <laughs> the the gripe I have about the Buffalo Bandits really quick. I don't know why, who runs their social media account. I, I don't understand it. I don't know who it is. This is it's not a direct shot at you. It's just the whole overall of it. Every other team was tweeting nonstop today trying to bring attention to the expansion draft going on. I didn't see one tweet one Instagram, one Facebook thing about the the protected list that is there for the Buffalo Bandits. Oh, every other team did it. Every single other team did it because I saw them happening. They said, this is our protected list. Who do you think is going to get Interacting with fans. It's the basic thing about social media. I am not a social media genius. I run our social media accounts. I'm not that great at it. But I'm not a professional sports franchise. It doesn't make any sense. What are you doing? The It's it's just mind-blowing, the little things that happen. Halifax and San Diego, I believe it was, were having a battle of tic-tac-toe back and forth on their inst- on their Twitter account. That's just fun to follow. Like, why can't the Buffalo Bandits do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's, it's just the small things that this league and this team are not grasping, and it's holding this league back from taking that next step, and I'm going to keep saying it until something changes. The just... Again, the lack of hype, the lack of excitement, the lack of energy behind any of this. Again, it seemed like they were just trying to take this expansion draft and like sneak it through. Like, oh, no, no one needs to know about this expansion draft. We'll just kind of have it. It'll be done with and we can move on. But why? Like exactly what you're saying. I mean, I know recently that, yes, they have had a lot of expansion drafts recently. But even for all of these other fans of these other teams, like this is not something that just affects Las Vegas. This is a league-wide event. It affects every single team in the league. You're either losing a player, you're trading players, you're doing something today. So every single team was involved today, which means the entire NLL is involved. Why is this not just a bigger event in general? I'm not saying you got to hype it up as, you know, like an actual draft with all these, you know, like a, like a, NFL draft it doesn't need to be super, you know, exposed or exciting or, you know, anything like that. But it's exciting for Las Vegas. They get all of these players for the first time on their roster. They have a roster now. So that's exciting for the league just to have a new team with a full roster and to see, again, it's a league wide event. All these other teams just lost a player or traded for players. And like you said, in the past, they've had analysts kind of going over all of this. If you were Rochester, or even if you're the Bandits, but more importantly, Rochester or San Diego or any of these teams that had these trades, you're probably wondering, okay, what just happened? Why did we, you know, did we gain a player? Did we lose a player? Did we get that guy back? What did we lose for him? And having some of these more just casual fans, not saying that they... Don't love the team, but not everybody knows every single team in the league. Not everybody knows every single player in the league. So a lot of these players that got returned or a lot of these draft picks that got returned, you might not know, you know, how does that actually impact your team? What does it mean for your team? And you might be wondering that information because it's good to know information. If you even just casually follow the team, like, oh, we lost this guy. What does that mean? Like, even if you're a Bandits fan, but you only went to a couple games, but you want to know, you know, a little bit more about the team, Connor Fields, I know who he is, but what does that mean for my team? What like what happened that we lost him? And even Rochester with all these players that they either gave away or got back. And just same with all of these things, like traded in 
Brad McIntyre from Colorado, they traded him back, but then Vegas got, you know, Firth and Turner. So who are they? Who did they lose? Why did they lose them? You know, what happened there? Just having analysts, you know, through video live break down the expansion draft, even if you don't necessarily have Vegas on a video monitor or something, you know, watching their every single pick, just having analysts analyze everything live so you can watch that live feed and just see what they're saying. Okay, like, oh, this pick just came in. Let's talk about it. This pick came in. Let's talk about it. Just getting just more, like you said, even just the Twitter feeds from some of these other teams that the bandits didn't do, just that fan interaction, getting that just back and forth just involves everybody. And it's something that the NLL just does not seem to understand or care about. And I know, like you said, they're missing their commissioner. They're missing a lot of things, a lot of people that might make these decisions. But whoever's left just needs to do a better job stepping up, especially for marketing. Like this just needs to be a more professional thing, a more exciting thing. Like you just got a new team with a full new roster. Again, this was a league wide event. It just needs to be more important. I think just as passionate bandits fans and as passionate nll fans we want to see this league grow we want to see this league do amazing and it's just frustrating when you have these kind of drafts come up or these kind of events come up and it's just kind of if anything swept under the rug and just very hush hush and we're not going to say much about it here's your draft here's who they chose and we're going to move on and you know we'll see you in a couple months for the other drafts and everything else that's going on just it's very frustrating to see that we want to see this league grow we want to see this league do well And it just doesn't seem like we're getting the same effort from the higher ups, even though there is currently no commissioner who, while he was here, did a great job with expansion and a great job getting us on ESPN. So small steps and progress were being made in the NLL and it was getting exciting and it was good for the league. And now it just seems like, again, we've kind of just climbed back into that shell and they're just right back to, I don't know, just a a little bit more mediocre of a league than we would like to see especially after the highest attended finals in NLL history. Like, it broke records. You were on a roll here. This, (laughs) Like, your sport was growing after a full year and a half of off. You had great action in NLL. Like, they didn't miss a beat on the field. It's just, then you come back and you just drop the ball on the expansion. I I know it's just an expansion draft to some people. Like, hey, you're going to lose one player or whatever. But it's, it's the small things about growing the sport. Like, turn it into an event and make it so people can easily see it rather than, you know, scroll on their phone, watching Twitter, refresh it over and over and over. I mean, we were in a group chat with our Bandits Mafia people, and just like every five minutes, you would have to send a screenshot of who got picked. It's just, imagine watching this on TV. Like I was just telling Brooke before we started recording, imagine watching it like on YouTube, on ESPN Plus, something where you can actually watch this happen. And they come to the end of the thing, they go, Counterfields has been selected. And then you go, uh, Hutchcraft. And then they go, hey, guess what? We're not going to wait till the end to make make announcements of trades. And then they give you the whole trade about Counterfields being traded. Your emotions are going to be involved in that watching of it rather than just like scanning on your phone by yourself. Like it doesn't make any sense why they couldn't do this simple of a task of, hey, guess what? Panther City did it during a pandemic, Phil. Like, they had it during a pandemic. Pandemic is still technically going on right now, but you're more back to normalcy. I don't know why you couldn't do this. It doesn't make any sense. I'll I'll never understand why the NLL is just so lacking in all their marketing. Like, are they trying to hold the league back on purpose? Like, it's the smallest things. And yes, you're not the big shots like the NHL, like the MLB and all that kind of stuff. But you can at least act like it. Like, fake it till you make it is a real quote. And they're just not doing it. They're just like ignoring the simplest of things that you can do to 
gain more follow. Like they're scanning through ESPN, random person before, like, even if you're going to do it on the NHL draft night, you're just scanning ESPN plus because you're waiting for the NHL draft to start. Hey, expansion draft. That's fun to watch. And then you gain a fan there. Like if, if there were what, five trades in this, People love action and movement and trades and stuff like that. Imagine scanning through ESPN and seeing, oh my God, there's another trade. Oh, another trade. Another trade. That would gain fans, but you're not going to gain fans just on social media accounts. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. It, they, it. Nothing they say will be able to convince me otherwise that they just dropped the ball on covering the expansion draft. It's it, it's just mind-blowing. The only kind of, I guess, out I could possibly, possibly give them is exactly what you said, is that they're not as big of a league. And because of that, maybe, you know, a lot of their people that would normally cover this have other jobs, which I'm sure they do, because similar to the players, they all have, you know, two jobs. So maybe they were all busy. But at the same time, you're telling me someone, you know, in the in the NLL, just world of media and whatever, you know, someone can't stand in front of a TV and just kind of analyze what's going on. You couldn't have gotten anybody. And it's not like the date for this. And maybe it did because we didn't know about it until, you know, what time it started until the, you know, last second here. So I mean, maybe it did spring up a little bit more than they wanted, but the date has been out for quite a while. So the fact that they weren't able to pull anything together video wise to kind of just, again, analyze this, go over the picks, not saying Vegas had to be, you know, on TV. But even then, I mean, why can't you do it in Vegas? Like this could have been a really cool chance to kind of blow it out and just have a really cool expansion draft kind of live in Vegas, even if you can't get you know, the biggest thing I know, I'm sure Vegas isn't the easiest to go and film in with I'm sure there's, you know, plenty of restrictions, but this would have been a really cool thing to try to get that arena for a day or even a a suite in that arena if it was available, the one that are going to play in. So there were options and there, there were, you know, just possibilities. And even at the very least, getting one analyst in front of a, a TV, you know, in front of a camera, live streaming, and you're just kind of explaining what's going on in the expansion draft. It's it's that simple. And again, why they couldn't have figured it out, I don't know. But it's it's just frustrating to see for the league. Because again, you and I both want the league to grow. We want the bands to grow. We love the sport. We love what the bands bring. We love the energy. We love the game. And just seeing them drop the ball in situations like this is just very frustrating. See, after all that, I would be more in your camp of thinking that way. But they made it work with Panther City. Right. Like everybody right. zoomed in and did that. So right. this was possible. Like right. there there's no excuse for that. If that wasn't a thing back in 2021 when they did this, I would completely be on your side. Hey, like people got second jobs. It, it, it makes sense. But this, they just dropped the ball. It doesn't make any sense. It's just plain. Again, they're just not looking forward and forward thinking of trying to grow the sport. And it's just, it's a sad thing as a, a fan of the, the bandits and a, fan of the sport and a fan of the league like i I don't want to draw comparisons here but the pll they would never do this like the pll is run the way that i want the nll to run they're they're great on social media but they're also expanding elsewhere and they do every single thing right like i know the two sides nll and pll are like fighting back and forth like they don't want to give each other credit they don't want to work together for whatever reason there's bad blood I i don't really care what the reason is behind it but the PLL who has been around for what, three, four or five years is making the NLL look like a joke, a junior, like high school league right now with what they're doing compared to the NLL. Like you'd think the PLL would honestly ever say like replying a comment to somebody on their Twitter post, what time the expansion draft is happening without like, that would never happen post first. Yeah. That we, what didn't even come from the NLL, the league itself. 
the team replied to a comment on their Twitter page. That's how it broke. Like well, that, that, that's, that's the a, only I'm news just saying, I saw. like that's fine if the league had already announced what time and they're just yeah. responding yes. nicely. He's like someone missed it. Like, oh hey, what time is it? And like, oh you know, we'll respond because that's a good interaction we're looking for. But that's after the league has already announced yes. the official time and made an official post and made an official, you know, on social media, hey, this is what's going down. You know, come come watch with us and see how your team does in this expansion draft. Yeah, and it wasn't even a last minute thing. This date has been announced right. for months. Like this has been a known thing for months. It's it's you can't just blame that there's no commissioner in place, there's no deputy commissioner, there's no head of the league. Somebody else is in charge of running the league in the day-to-day operations. Somebody is in charge of that. They just either dropped the ball or, you know, something happened where it's just it's 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 a pathetic excuse for trying to grow the league right now. And I'll never understand it. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, it hurts my brain. And I've been sitting on this in this pot stewing for a couple weeks. And it's grown even more through this week trying to find out information because, again, we have been saying all season long trying to get information out of this league is like pulling fingernails out of your own hand. It's impossible. It, it doesn't work. So looking all week long, just looking for a simple time, Phil, a time of when the expansion draft is going to happen and you had to wait for a reply to a tweet for that to be announced. It's just, it, it's it's a joke of a league right now. And hopefully whoever the new NLL commissioner is that should be getting hired very, very shortly because, I mean, the league flips over, you know, August 1st, free agency starts, the, the, the draft for the new guys is the end of August, early September. Who knows? They don't even have that announced yet. Like again, you know, the bigger leagues had these things announced years out. It's just, uh, they got a lot of growing and a lot of, uh, foresight thinking to start doing if they want this league to take the next step. Cause right now they're not even close. Could absolutely use a head of the NLL that is great in marketing. Yeah, hundred percent. That, that's what they need, and uh, I will apply if they're they're offering. And uh, if you want to replace me down the road with somebody better, that's fine. I'll do it for free. Like like we said, if the NLL <laughs> wants to hire me and Phil, we'll do it for free. Just give us free tickets to the Bandits and maybe some signatures and merch, and we'll do it. We don't even need a full salary. We'll do it for free if you just give us the information. We'll we'll tweet it out. I don't care. Just uh, be more transparent. And that's I don't know how many times I've said that word about the league is uh, just transparency would help and go a long long way. But, Phil, is there anything else you want to add to this one before we uh, close out the Bandit segment? And probably uh, I got some things in store for the free agency when it opens on August 1st. And uh, I've been working on a big project, and we'll bring that out before August 1st so everybody knows, like, uh, who can the Bandits target, what what's on the market right now that is available for the Bandits. But I guess is there anything else with the Bandits you want to talk about? It does. Again, it, it overall just kind of summing up the expansion draft as far as the Bandits yes, goes. Good it's, idea. it's just... It's unfortunate to lose Fields. Again, you're going to lose someone that you didn't want to lose. It's either going to be Fields or Fraser. How you and I kind of broke it down, it was probably between one of those two. Obviously, you don't want to lose either. I mean, I feel like we'd be in a similar situation, even though Fraser isn't homegrown. He's a huge part of the Bandits and just the Bandits fans, and everybody loves him. So I think just no matter what, you were going to lose a very good player in this expansion draft. It is unfortunate they were not able to trade back for Fields like we were kind of hoping they were able to do. But I think just, I mean, it's hard to already move on just looking at his name on our on our notes and everything because we did like him so much. But just kind of moving forward, I do think one of those, you know, three draft picks that you have that are already on the team, not even this year's three first rounders, but the three 
draft picks that you already have on the team that decided to go back to college. They are all lefties. I think one of them could step into that position. And like you mentioned, we do have three first round picks in this year as well. And I know some people were kind of mentioning that, you know, you, you just gave up a first and a second to get fields and now you lose them in an expansion draft. And I understand that is also very unfortunate, but at the same time, the bandits just don't have a ton of roster space for what they already have and let alone are going to get this year. So even though on paper that doesn't look great, just getting fields for one season, he did help you all get all the way to a championship and get to a very, very solid season. So if you were going to tell me, you know, would you give up a first and a second for a champ chance at a championship? I would say absolutely. So if you just kind of put it in those terms, yes, it's a loss to lose fields. Yes, it's a loss to lose those first and second round picks, but he had a really great year here. And, you know, you got all the way to game three of a championship and almost won it all. And he was a big part of it. So, Phil, we'll, we'll close out this segment and we'll move on to our final segment of the Buffalo Sabres. They opened the season October 13th, home against Ottawa. Are you ready for the, uh, they announced the schedule the other day. Are you ready for uh, full hockey coverage again this year? Not quite. Not quite. We're, we're, we're getting there, but uh, not quite. I'm not, not quite there yet, but announcing the schedule is exciting. And, uh, you know, seeing, seeing when it all kicks off against Ottawa, I think it's going to be exciting. October 13th. I always forget that it starts in October instead of September. Yes, I know they yep. have preseason stuff coming up, but October, luckily right now, still feels a little bit far away, even though July 4th is already come and gone and we are moving our way through July. So everything's going to come very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it was a surreal feeling. It was a surreal feeling going on with the the schedule being released and you're figuring out okay starting to plan for october starting to plan for november and trying to figure out the football schedule and what conflicts we might have on this show as well it it started to feel real but phil the uh the sabers right now with pick nine they're currently on the clock so we're gonna we got your wish we're doing this live uh we're we're uh, we're waiting for the pick they just announced marco casper for the Red Wings, just pick number eight. So they're going through the whole introduction. I, I got to say, because we got some time to kill until they announce the pick. and then. But th- the biggest thing that I miss about these drafts is Tim Murray. And I know we were saying this before we started recording. I miss Tim Murray just going up there and saying the Buffalo Sabres are proudly select Jack Eichel and not give a five-minute speech of thanking everybody, including the guy who's sitting at Denny's in North Tonawanda waiting for the pick. Like, why do you have to thank every single person that come out there? We want to thank Montreal for hosting this. Congratulations to Colorado on winning the Stanley Cup. Well-deserved. We want to thank all our fans back and above. Like, it goes on for five minutes. Like, nobody's here to listen to this. They just want to hear the draft pick. And I know this is another side rant why we're killing some time here, but uh, it's just it, it it's another thing that just annoys me about hockey. They're too team oriented to like everybody grouped together oriented and and less about the individual make it more about the player that you're taking like stop making it about like the city you're in the the team that just won the stanley cup make it about the player and how excited you are to bring them to the team yeah i mean we see it a little bit in the nfl but even then i mean we are what an hour and a half almost into this draft and we're not even through the first 10 like it's just the the nhl doesn't have the same pedigree that the nfl does so the NFL's first round takes forever, and I feel like the NHL should just be that much quicker because they just don't have the ability to be that big and that exciting. And just these, again, these picks, a lot of times you won't see them for quite a while. So it's just a different kind of animal. So just why? why? Just why, why are we prolonging these picks? Why do we have to wait so long? Like, 
get your pick in, analyze the pick, and move on. Like you don't need to thank everyone's brother, mother, and you know just everyone in the world for being just I, I don't know great fans and great you know everything. It's just just get to the pick, announce who it is, and let the analysts do what the analysts do and analyze so the fans can understand what's going on, and then move on to the next one and just kind of keep it keep it rolling because this is. Ugh, drafts are just so slow. Even the NFL draft, it's so slow. Like, I get it's such a big thing, but it's uh, it's so slow. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but, Phil, the pick is in. They're not making their way to the stage real quick, but we let's talk about the, the rumored trade that was there, there really, really quick by their you know, slowly making their way up to the stage. But it was reported that Buffalo Sabres were offering pick 16, to Ottawa for Matt Murray, the goalie who's got two years left on his deal, and pick seven. Like, if that came through and happened, I was very much against Matt Murray when it was coming in, like, hey, Matt Murray might be coming. He's got a hefty contract, but it's only for two more years. He had a lot of concussion issues, and that's a big reason why I was against him, but he would have been a step forward over uh, Craig Anderson. But having pick seven, nine, and 28 would have felt differently than having seven or nine and 16. And I, I guess that's another indication that, hey, Kevin Adams is involved in every goalie movement, like he's been saying, trying to add another goalie to this team. So I'll take it as a loss that we didn't get that deal, but a positive step in thinking, hey, the goalie market is fresh and the Buffalo Sabres are involved in everybody, like they said. And it'll be very interesting because they're not getting Matt Murray now because, you know, he nicks the idea to come here. Otherwise, we would have seven. That would have been awesome. But, yeah, it's it's very interesting. I'll take it as a positive that Buffalo Sabres are looking for a goalie for sure. Even just to see a positive step for a player getting in return, getting a first-round pick or just any kind of – Solid looking trade. I don't think we've seen that in a while with the Sabres. Not that they've been trading poorly. Obviously, they had the summer of last summer with everybody, Reinhardt, Eichel, and Ristolainen. I know those were all huge trades that we were kind of excited to see go down. So obviously, that's pretty recent. But overall, just kind of seeing something positive, even just with the trades. I know like going into this draft, Adams was very kind of content sitting at 9, 16, and 28 and just kind of like oh yeah we're gonna take those picks and we're gonna take them and that's how our future is gonna go so seeing that they are willing to kind of make some of these moves and even get a first in return would have been just absolutely incredible well phil the pick is in matthew savoy from winnipeg the whl he's a centerman it's uh it's gonna be an interesting pick here I, they added another centerman to this team uh, i'm very Happy with the pick, I guess. I mean, they they are filled with centermen, but you're going to want to take the best player on the board, and he was their best player on the board right now. And it's he's 5'9", <laughs> so he's, he's kind of on the shorter side, but I've heard that he flies up and down the ice. And, I mean, he's he's 18, 175 from Alberta, 18 years old, like I said. He's, he's a, a centerman that I think you can add to this lineup. He's probably not going to be, you know, here this year or maybe even next year. He's going to be keep working at it, but I'm very interested to see what he adds to this team. They're trying to fill out more depth there. He had 65 games, 35 goals, 55 assists. So, I mean, the kid can skate. He can put up points with the best of them, and I'm happy to add him to the lineup, and I guess we're going to have to wait because we're running long on this show, but we're going to have to wait for 16 and 28 on our next show, but very happy to add this player to the team. Yeah, the only negative, again, I mean, it just happens. We haven't had a ton of time to dissect this. 
The only negative to me is that he seems more of a Krebs type style player who's a little bit more assist happy than scoring happy. But at the same time, he should add, I mean, you and I were both looking for not necessarily center, but we were looking for wing. But obviously, to me, I think if you ever get a player who is a center that is more beneficial than getting a winger who might move to center, getting a center, it's an easier transition to move to wing and then possibly back to center if needed. So I think getting a center overall is just good for the Sabres. It's always great to have extra centers who then again can maybe move to wing and then back to center if needed. But overall, I think, like you said, we were kind of looking for someone who just has that excitement, who has that speed and is something that the Sabres can just add a little bit more energy and just high tempo pace. I think it's kind of just where the Sabres are going. A lot of their guys aren't huge other than, you know, the Tage Thompson. Tuck's not the biggest guy, but he's not a small guy. But it just seems like the team is kind of shifting more toward high offensive chances, high speed, and that's kind of the way we want to see it go. So would have liked to see someone who's a little bit more of a gifted scorer, but at the same time, someone like you said, who can fly, he's a little smaller, but at the same time, he's going to get a lot of assists, he's going to get a lot of points, and I think overall at number nine, he's a very good pick. Sadly, like we've mentioned a billion times with the NHL, and like you just mentioned, we will likely not see him for a couple of years, but it's always nice to get someone in the pipeline and get it, that AHL team kind of revamped slowly. He probably won't even be there for a couple of years, but at the same time, the AHL team might lose a few players if they make the Sabres roster next year. So it's no matter what, good to see the future of the Sabres kind of growing. I'm glad he mentioned Peyton Krebs because he's a former teammate of him. <laughs> and uh, he also led WHL in rookie with rookies in points with 90. Those are just a couple more stats coming down the line. But it definitely seems like they went best available. I love that they're doing that. And like you said, drafting a, a centerman is not that, you know, terrible of an idea because you can always move into wing like you said it's harder to move a winger to the center it's very rarely that happens like Tage Thompson it's not going to happen very often where you can convert a winger to a center and you can convert a centerman to a winger a lot easier than vice versa so I'm, I'm happy with the pick and like we said we're gonna have to roll on with uh ending the show but we'll hit on whatever moves they do this uh the rest of Thursday as uh we're gonna end the recording and then Friday eleven AM for some reason rounds two through seven. But a lot of players they got ten more picks to go as of us talking right now and uh you know a lot of movement to go and hopefully we see a goalie a, go- a goalie trade or we'll have Question to wait till mark. Wednesday. Yeah. Or we'll have to wait till free agency opens up. Yeah, it'll be an interesting still couple days, and even today, like you said, we're wrapping this up, so we won't be able to go through 16 and 28 live. Maybe we'll see another trade even tonight, so we will uh, kind of be watching the Sabres very closely, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, so we will end the show like that. It's uh, we, it's a lot of rant filled. Oh, before before we end, I forgot to mention, Kevin Adams literally just went up there and just said, the Buffalo Sabres are probably select this player. So credit to him, not, you know, spewing all that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, if I think there's that's one a, thing a, he could take from Murray. It's that. Yes. That is the one thing you want to take from <laughs> Tim Murray is, uh, you know, just uh, shut your mouth, say thank you. This is who we're picking and move on. And I love it because you're going to have to be up there two more times. So if he keeps this up, I'll be very happy. But again, thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buffalo Sports Collective. Follow along with us on Facebook and Instagram at Buffalo Sports Collective and on Twitter at Buffalo Sports Co. Visit our website at buffalosportscollective.com. Subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Until next time, bye bye.